I think we would all admit that our world is crazy and we don't know exactly what's going to happen from day to day. It seems like the newscast tries to outcrazy itself the next day in something new, something different, something that intimidates or brings fear to us. And if you walk with God, you look in the scriptures and you wonder, are we in the end times? I don't know if we are or not, you'll say. I don't know where we find ourselves and all of that. I'm not exactly sure where we fall in the whole continuum paradigm of all that is coming up ahead of us. But I do know this, that all of us are called to live our life now and today. And so what we're supposed to do is live it in a victorious way. And I believe through the power and the strength of God we can. The scripture passage read just a little while ago by Pastor Melanie helps us understand the story of one in the scripture. And so for the next few weeks, the Lord helping us, we're going to look at different people in the Bible. We're going to learn from them, and we're going to look at different people each week and see a little bit about how they navigated through some of the unusual times that they experienced, which could help us. And I can't believe how relevant the Bible is today to what it was then and also how it is in all generations, really. It's just so relevant, isn't it amazing? And it speaks to us, and it speaks to us even now, and very loudly and quite clearly. There was a young boy whose name was Harold Adolf. He lived in China. It was before World War II, but Japan was in the rule over that area in which he lived. His father was a physician. And as he's a little boy, he heard his dad say, as he was headed off to school, his dad said, I hope no one gets bitten by a dog in our city today because the entire city has no rabies shots. He tucked that away in the back of his mind. He's thinking about it, and so he went on his way. After school is out, he gets his books. He's headed home. He's walking along. And out of the corner of his eye, picks up some motion. There's something coming. He looks, and there is a big, tall guy running up beside him. The big, tall guy running up beside him said, you better run. There comes a dog. He's chasing us. Harold turned and saw there was a dog. He thought the big boy would put him up in a tree, maybe lift him up on a fence, but he didn't. He just kept booking it. He kept flying. So Harold threw his books down, and he started running as fast as he could go. And running as fast as he could go, he realized the dog wasn't following that guy that passed him, but the dog is now following him. He was scared for his life. He ran, and then he turned. He has two blocks left to go. He's got to go up a hill, and then it levels off, and he's got to go one more block, and then into his yard. He makes that turn. We'll come back to him in just a little while in our message, if I remember Getting ready to have a birthday in a few weeks, so I may forget. I don't know. But we'll come back to that story. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel is a guy who is older now. He's lived his life for uh, quite a while. He's in his 80s. He's 83. He was first taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and brought into this country. He lived under the reign of another king. Now he is being elevated in this King Darius kingdom. He's been elevated to an important position because under the king you have <coughs> three Vice presidents. The vice presidents are important people. Under them, you have 120 other leaders. So they're very significant people. The scripture says to us in verse 4 of our passage here, he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. That's a powerful saying of the scripture. He was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor diligent. He was in a place he didn't really want to be, he hadn't asked to be doing something he didn't know he would ever do, but that's exactly where he was. That may be where you are today. 
in some kind of life situation or some sort of employment situation, maybe. I don't know. It, it's just some kind of situation in your life, and you don't know what's going on. But he gave us a lesson in that he did his best and honored God and modeled God's excellence, even in the roughest of times. It's pretty powerful. You see, his foundation was being tried. Jack Nicholas, great golfer, said something not long ago to a pastor who, who said it, and I heard him say it, he, the pastor. He said this. He said, Jack Nicholas said, when golfers are under pressure, they revert back to what they know. And I'll say this, when Christians are under pressure, very often they revert back to what they know. Daniel is a prime example of that today. So let's navigate with Daniel here as he deals with this situation that is created really to destroy him. It's more than a Sunday school story. It's more than a youth tale. It's a story of a real-life guy who had an experience that was very unusual and unfortunate. He simply manages his predetermined values to help him get where he needs to go whenever the situation gets tough. First of all, look in verses 5 through 7 of our passage. It says that Daniel's world was turned against him. His world was really turned against him. The group of leaders, those other vice presidents and those other 120 people, they did not like Daniel. They didn't like him. Have you ever had someone not like you? It's not fun, is it? Maybe a friend, close friend, just kind of decides you're not all that and they turn on you. Maybe even a spouse. Maybe someone like that that you've loved and lived with and had life with and now they're telling you you have no value to them. That's really tough and breaks your heart, breaks your life. Really sends you in a tailspin. They dislike Daniel. They disliked him a whole lot. It wasn't just kind of a surface don't like. They hated the guy. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted any way they could. So they began to target him in the way they could touch him. Notice what verse 5 says of our passage. We will never find any basis to charge him unless we do uh, find something that has to do with the law of his God. In other words, he obeys all the laws of our land. He's a good guy and he's doing what he's supposed to here. We're not going to get him, trip him up on his work ethic. The guy is this flat, good, and honorable. But if we could trip him up in some kind of way with his God, so they begin to devise a plan. They reach out to the king, appeal to the king's flattery. They said, hey, let's get your ego going here. How about we do something different here than what we've been doing as it relates to worshiping gods? Now, they had no law that there had to be a monotheistic worship, that is, worship of one God in the culture. They have a polytheistic view. We can worship any God, many gods, in no God, whatever we want to do. So we can do that. But what they said to the king was, Darius, we, we think you're all that in a box of crackers, and what we would like for you to do is to sign a decree. It'll be a decree of the Medes and the Persian. You've heard that expression. Well, here you go. It is. We will have you sign a law of the Medes and the Persian, which means everybody will pray to you for the next 30 days. Just the next 30 days, it'll be a good thing for you, and it'll be a good thing for our nation. How about we do this kind of thing? Just, just how about we do this? Well, they said, look at the scripture. They said, Everybody knows about this in verse 7. All the leaders have agreed to this. Well, Darius is thinking that Daniel and these guys and all the leaders have agreed to this. Everybody's doing it. Everybody wasn't doing it. Everybody wasn't agreeing with it. Everybody wasn't going to be happy with it. They didn't really take a vote with everybody, and everybody didn't get a vote. Here they were doing this with the decision of a few, and it was a few that despised and hated and couldn't care less. They didn't like Daniel. Some of you maybe have that situation going on right now in your school, or maybe it's going on in your life, or maybe it's going on in your work. I don't know. You may have some of this type of stuff going on. Daniel's not told. You haven't been told. Or maybe you're a part of the conniving group. 
Verse 7 says that Darius signed the decree. People could pray only to him. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, it says it this way. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That sounds odd, doesn't it? For we know that they will help develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So really, we can use these things that come against us that aren't fun. We can use them to elevate our life and to increase our serving God, he's saying here. So Daniel had to manage his faith decision. And that's what we're called to do. When your adult children go a different way than you like for them to go, you've got to manage your own situation, your own life. Not always easy. Whenever your spouse says, I'm through and I'm going a different direction, you've got to manage your own faith decision. You've had this as a real thing, and many of you have experienced that, and it's not been fun. But here you are today. You're sitting here having managed these things. So I feel this morning I'm speaking to a bunch of Daniels and Daniels in this room who have lived this and are experiencing this right now in your own life. Daniel managed his faith decision. He had a meaningful routine. Do you have any routines? Let's say you wear socks. Are you thinking with me? If you are, say yes. Let's say you were, if you're thinking with me, say yes. yes. If you're thinking with me, say yes. yes. All right, she is. <laughs> and two or three other people. Let's say you put on your socks, if you wear them. You probably put one sock on before you put the other. Think about it. Are you thinking about it? You don't put them on at the same time, right? Okay, we've advanced this far. <laughs> but my guess is, Mark, you put one sock on every day before you put the other sock on you put it on the same foot. Do you know which foot you put yours on? Which? Left foot. Mark is left foot sock putter on her. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to tell the church that. And anybody watching, don't put the camera on him. Daniel had some habits. He had some routines. Like Jack Nicholas said, he reverted back to what he knew. And you know what? He knew something really good. What do you know? Do you know something good? Can you revert back to it? Is it something that will make a difference for you? Here's his habit. He prayed three times a day when we were flying on the plane to Jerusalem and then back. You could see the Orthodox Jews. They were there on the plane. They had their little, their little uh, beads or book or whatever they were using for the prayer, depending what it was. They were bobbing like this as this is a sign of humility, bowing. And so they're facing Jerusalem. So wherever they think Jerusalem would be, they're going or coming, they're standing there and they're praying and they're doing this kind of stuff. So if you ever see an Orthodox Jew doing this, that's what they're doing. It's one of their designated prayer times. Daniel had designated prayer times for himself where he prayed three times a day. One of the things I liked about Joe and Logan's testimony the other day, he talked about, I went down into the lower part of my house in my basement where I pray and read my scriptures at the end of the day. That's powerful. That kind of habit forming stuff will make a difference in our lives. It's a great thing to happen. He would open his room toward Jerusalem as is a custom. Second Chronicles 6 talks to us about that. It was adopted by Solomon. So he has this where he will open up the door, open up the window, and he would pray. But Daniel has his gut-wrenching decision because he knows for the next 30 days, it's just 30 days. He wasn't supposed to pray to anybody except Darius. But it's just 30 days. And he decided he had a big decision. You see, God's laws come above man's laws in this situation. When push comes to shove, we're supposed to honor the leaders in the nation. We know that. But when push comes to shove, it is God over nation. 
It is God over that. And so we must understand that. Daniel immediately knew what he would do. He immediately knew what he would do. What would you do? What would you do in this moment? He already had his mind made up. He would pray anyway. I'm going to pray anyway, and I'm going to pray to my God, not to Darius. Darius can do nothing for me like my God can do. I will pray to my God. I will honor him. It was a number of years ago. Rachel Scott was at Columbine High School, just like any other day. And then two guys came in, students she knew, and they started doing the unthinkable. And they came up to her and they said, do you believe in God? Without a second thought, she reverted to what she knew. She had witnessed to them time and again. And she said this, you know I do. And her life ended right there in that moment. Let me say this to you. You and I make our decisions and we manage them. Those are important decisions that we make. Daniel made up his mind in the sunshine when things were going good. So when the rain hit, he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to think about it. He wouldn't give himself to that. I remember as a young guy being invited to a particular party where I knew there would be no good happening. And I remember to this day, the girl, she was a nice girl. She was a friend, but she came from a couple of rows over and gave me a note and invited me to go to a party. She was inviting different ones in the class. And I was in the class where a lot of the cool kids were in that time. And I opened her note and respectfully walked back over to where she was. And I said, I won't be able to come to your party. I didn't have to think about it, and I didn't want to lead her on. I didn't want her to ask me the next day if I was coming. I just wanted to deal with it right on the spot. I wasn't rude to her. I didn't tell her I don't do that kind of stuff. I just simply said, I won't be able to come to your party. She got the point. She didn't invite me to the parties. You see, if you make your decisions in the sunlight, you can manage them in the heat of the moment. I guarantee it will help you if you do that. This stuff works. I'm not teaching something that doesn't work. This works. Andy Stanley and his excellent book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, has five quick questions that he asked. Let's go through them real quick. Here's the first one, the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself, really? Am I being honest with myself, really? And then he asked this question, the legacy question. What story do I want to tell? In other words, when I'm gone, what do I want them to think and remember about me? Then the conscience question. Is there any tension that deserves attention? Any tension that deserves attention? Is that good? That's good, isn't it? Maturity question. What is the wise thing to do? The relationship question. What does love require me to do? Some of you that are adult parents have had children go the long way down the wrong way. And you look at that and you're just saying, wow. And you've had to sit there in, in your own thing. And you say, what does love require me to do? I've had that type of question this week from people in the church. Then we notice this about Daniel. He knew his life was on the line. In verse 8, verse 15, 18, and 22, he sees that the leaders are happy with their decision. Yeah, we finally get rid of Daniel. Daniel is an outsider from another country. He is an interloper to our system. He didn't go to the country club we went to. He didn't come to the fraternity house we did. He didn't go to the right school. We don't like him. 
The king was excited at first. <coughs> Excuse me. Then he was troubled in his heart because he realized what was happening. He could not undo this. Daniel was in the bullseye of this decision. And the king knew this. And verse 18 of your passage was telling us that he was really, he was really distraught with this. And he's kind of walking the floor and he's saying, what can I do with this? Daniel, what's he doing with all this? Well, they throw him into the den. Now, while he is flying down to the floor of the den, I would just imagine that he's thinking, boy, God sure didn't show up yet. I wonder if I'm going to get one of those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stories. Because he knew those guys. Is God going to be the fourth man in the fire, the next man in the lion's den? What's he going to do here? Are they throwing anybody else in? He doesn't see anybody else around him. It's just the loneliness of his own thud hitting the floor of the den. And Daniel still doesn't change his mind. He didn't say, wait, wait, I changed my mind. He didn't do that. He's still in the floor of the den. He just says, well, here I am. Here I am. And in those moments, he gave himself fully to God. Sormio Martian put it this way. She said, Daniel reminds us of the awesome nature and infinite power of the God to whom we pray. God is absolutely in charge. He controls not only affairs of people and nation, but the entire universe. I like that. Everything, everyone, everywhere is subject to the rule of God, his perfect rule. And once we grasp the powerful truth of the greatness of God, prayers cease to be uncertain, nervous kind of spiritual wishing. And Daniel says, what will be, will be, I am going through with God. No turning back. John Maxwell said this, I like this. He said, by choosing to embrace and practice good values every day. We may not always get what we desire, but you will always get to be the person you want to be. Listen, you may not always be popular. You may not always have everybody saying how cool you are and how great you are, but you get to be the person you want to be. And I said to somebody the other day about college, I said, you know, it's amazing to me about in college how we end up allowing ourselves to get so hung up in that, in that uh, experience of college. We're there for what, three, four years, five years, how many years? We're there real quick, right? And we think those friends are going to be friends forever. And some of you do have great friends from college that you still have as your friend. But I would say that most of us basically have brought it down to what this person told me they did. They have brought it down to basically a Christmas card from the people they went to college with. You don't see them anymore. You've gone your way. They've gone their way. You live your life. They live their life. And that's all okay. And Daniel was not going to cave in this moment. He was going to allow himself to be who he wanted to be so he could, he could rest even in a den. And I want to say something else. Daniel lived to see another day. Rachel did not live to see another day in this world, but she lived to see the eternal day in God's world. But Daniel lived to see another world. Now, if he had caved in, we'd never heard about this. If the lions would have eaten him up, we'd have never heard about this. But he faces his problem head on. And this is what you and I will do. He didn't confront everybody else about it all. I'm not saying you should not. But what he did do was, listen, he influenced everybody. And in all of our life right now, and in the places where we live, we have a chance to influence. And that's what we're doing in Palmerton, and that's what we're doing over in, in uh, Lehighton. And I think we're doing it a little bit here in Cherryville. Look around, you're several hundred here today. I think we're influencing a few folks here too. And God is at work. Daniel, your problem has an expiration. The seconds will continue to tick. The hours will continue to build a day. The day will build a week. And before long, Daniel, a month will pass. And it'll happen that way in your life too and in mine. <laughs>
It'll keep going. It'll keep going. But Daniel, Daniel realized that whether here or in heaven, either way, he would have to live with his decision. And in the morning, the king comes out. I can imagine there's a stir around the den. The king with the people around him, he hasn't had a very good night's sleep. Pull the rock back. He hollers down, Daniel, are you there? Daniel, was your God able to help you out? Daniel, wake up if you're there. Daniel's down in the den. Bright light, little rock has moved. Oh, it's morning. God, that's, no, that's not an angel coming to take me to heaven. <laughs> no, I recognize that voice. That's Darius. He said, Daniel, are you there? And he says, look at your Bible in verse 22. Daniel replied, I have found innocence in God's sight, nor have I done anything wrong before you. Oh my goodness, get him out. Bring him out. Bring him out. Bring him out. Don't let him stay in there. Get him out right now. Don't let a lion jump and get him on the way up like he's dangling meat. No, bring him out. Bring him. He comes on up out of that den. Can you see it happening? I get excited thinking about it. And what are we going to feed the lions? What shall we ever feed them? Look at verse 24 to 27. All the bad leaders that had created that decree, they got put along with their family down in the den, and the lions had lunch. My stars. That doesn't always happen that way, does it? But that's the way it happened for Daniel. Well, what happened to Daniel after that? We'll keep reading. Verse 28, look at it. So Dan the man prospered in what he was doing. Lucato in his writing put it this way. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. Can I get a witness in the house? Don't despair. Don't give up. You'll get through this. Whatever this is for you, don't give in. Harold Adolph was running. He had just come to the end of that street. Now he's got to go up this hill and down that flat block. Two blocks left. Dog chasing him. He said, I went as fast as my little leg could take me up that hill. I still had a little breath left, and I kept going on the flat stretch. He said, finally, I got to my house. And he said, with what I had left, I leaped and flew over the fence and landed in a crumpled heap. Phew. On the ground, spent. He said, I looked back. And he said, when I looked back, I saw a few feet away with his paws crossed as if he was praying and his head on his hands. The dog had collapsed and was dead from exhaustion. That is my prayer for you. That God will protect you and be with you, and bless you in your going out, and in your coming in, in your labor, and in your leisure, that our God, who is able, will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Let him work in your life. Let him work in your life. He gets the last word. He gets the last word, and it will be good. Father, in the name of Jesus, we commit our cares to you this morning, our lives to you. We thank you for the privilege of gathering as we have. We thank you for who you are, your work among us, your work in us. Lord, we do love you. We thank you for what you're about in our lives. 
We pray, Lord, as we cast our anxieties and our stresses and cares your way, that you would take care of them, that you would minister to us, help us to have the resilience, help us to have the resolve of Daniel, of Rachel, of Harold. Help us to, when we revert, as Jack Nicholas said, to revert back to things that are righteous and good, that you might look good and we might win the day. In our faith, in your name we pray. Everybody said...